Welcome to Homeschool Mama Self-Care. I'm Teresa Wiedrich at CapturingTheCharmLife.com. I'm here to help you turn your homeschool challenges into your homeschool charms. If you are a homeschool mama looking for a strategy or a few for your self-care, then this is the podcast for you. Today, I get to introduce you to Lisa Marie Fletcher. Lisa Marie is the voice behind the website, The Canadian Homeschooler, a popular first stop for parents looking for help getting started with homeschooling and for those searching for Canadian homeschooling resources. More than a decade of teaching five children at home has given her plenty of experience on this path. Welcome, Lisa Marie. I am so glad I get to introduce our audience to you, Lisa Marie, because I've been following you for a few, maybe a few years now, and you really do have the heartbeat of a lot of what is going on in the homeschool world. And right now, there's a lot going on in the homeschool world. So I'm really glad to have you here. Thank you so much for inviting me. So tell me a little bit about you and your family. Well, I have five kids. They are everything from high school to preschool and the bunch in the middle. So three are teenagers and then I have a seven and a five-year-old. Only the little ones are girls, the rest are all boys. So homeschooled since the beginning and it's just a bunch of craziness in my house all the time. (laughs) Yeah, that's a whole lot of kids or like a whole lot of ages of kids right now, right? Yeah, it's a wide variety. What got you into homeschooling right off the top? Well, I guess I was thinking about it and I realized I always wanted to be a mom. You know, when you fill out those, what do you want to be when you grow up things? I always wanted to be a mom or an author or a teacher. And I ended up doing all of that and combined at once. But when my oldest was ready for school age or was supposed to be signed up for school, he wasn't ready. He was, he had a lot of anxiety and troubles and we had major issues with him progressing in a lot of areas and being so stressed that we couldn't. I did. I signed him up and I went to the little kids class, the teacher day where they meet the parents and they chat about what to expect. And I came home and went, I don't think it's going to work out. (laughs) So my sister-in-laws were both homeschooling at that point. So I both, I just said, what do I do? And so they said, buy this and went ahead and did what they said. It didn't end up being what we ended up doing in the long run, but it at least gave me a place to start from when I was first starting out. Yeah, that's really helpful to have that community around you, actually. How many years have you been homeschooling? I am, that's a great question. How old is it now? (laughs) Uh, I think it's been 13 years. Yeah, Yeah, because he's 16 now. Your oldest is 16. So you've got three homeschoolers or or three teenagers through the COVID crisis. That's just like me. And it's been a lot. Did you notice the switch when all of this stuff started happening? Uh, With some of them, because uh, my oldest one could care less about people so he's happy to just be at home but the other ones are missing their social activities and their like chance to communicate with other people and they're getting a little tired of always having to rely on each other I mean we're pretty close at home anyways but it's more they don't get the chance to spend time with other people and I noticed that starting to make them a little snappy more often than yeah you know (laughs) I'm happy with yeah (laughs) (laughs) I'm like how do we get them out what do we do yeah I'm with you 
So tell me, um, that many years, that many kids, um, different age span, what would you say your most challenging self-care strategy is? Or how do you address your self-care when obviously you have a very demanding household? I'll be truthful. Self-care has always been at the very, very bottom of my personal list of things. It wasn't until last year when I so in November of 2018, we moved unexpectedly. It was like a six weeks here, you got a house and you're moving. So I had no expectations of doing that for real. And then it happened and between moving and then Christmas and we were in our new house responsible to do our family Christmas because we were the newest, biggest house. So everyone said, we're coming to you. So I had like 40 people in my house, like a month and a half after we moved or less, it was less than that, maybe a month. And that, and then I hold an annual conference in the spring and I was so burnt out by middle of January that I was sick. Like I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't, like my, my main objective in those first couple of months of that 2019 was get out of bed, keep everyone alive. And that's the only thing I had for myself. Mm-hmm. So that taught me that maybe it's time to listen to all the advice of everybody that says, make sure you put your oxygen mask on first because nobody else will survive if you don't. So I started at that point writing and so I started you know I started doing fiction I started doing fan fiction where you write stories about tv shows or things that you like so I got involved in the kids cartoon fan fiction world which is a whole other experience on its own but it gave me an outlet that was nothing related to my family nothing related to my homeschooling adventure just something for me on my own and I made friends outside of my typical circle and it's given me an opportunity to enjoy doing something for myself so that became my thing that I've been doing and then I try really hard to make sure that I just breathe once in a while so I tend to have a really bad habit of crashing mid-afternoon like three o'clock I'm dead to the world (laughs) but I've on a nice warm day we got a trampoline so I've started flying down on the trampoline in the sun while the kids are distracted inside and I just like feel like Wally you know that cartoon (laughs) where he like goes outside and he opens up his son to try and start. I'm like there's my solar charge for the day <laughs> yeah I hear you that's a good way to, actually that's a good way to think about it, is getting that sun and actually I do it as well we're reading um what is it? evolution of Calpurnia Tate which is a really fun story to read and I'm reading it with my 11 year old on the trampoline too mm-hmm. yeah it's a great place to chill out So it sounds like your story and my story have a lot of similarities because I was like you. I always thought I'd be a mom. I always had it in my mind. I put it in my school yearbook (laughs) that I would have 10 kids. Oi. Uh, No idea what I was talking about. But I'd always had that idea of being a mom. And so homeschooling was not on my radar until my oldest was out of grade two. Um, And that was really because I picked up a book on a lark for the intention of getting arguments against it because everybody seemed to be doing it. And then by the end of reading that book, by the end of the week, that changed our decade, right? And switched right into homeschooling. And it's been excellent um, in so many ways. It's freedom. And at the same time, uh, there's a certain breaking point for me too, I realized uh, I can't do everything. I can't be everything for everybody. And that I wasn't taking care of me. In fact, I don't even think I knew that I was there or that I was in the room. And then I think it was a Brené Browning I saw on a TED Talk that really got me thinking about self-care or about myself. And then I started switching gears into and me too. And just like you're saying, you know, you're talking about your cart is it cartoons anime or um, fanfiction you said is more 
Young yeah, it's fantastic. it can be anything, but yeah. Yeah, because that's you. Like, it's just you, and it's an identity outside of anything related to your kids. And it, like, self-energizes, I think, and it honors that you are a separate person. And that part, I didn't see that I was a separate person until I realized I am burned out. I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it took a long time for me to think of me because I, I think often as moms in particular, we have that self-sacrifice attitude because we have to meet or we have to be everything for all of the children. So like I said the other day, I'm getting really tired of having to be everybody's brain, right? I have to remember what everyone's doing. I have to remember to feed everybody. I have to switch the laundry because somebody peed their bed last night. And I'm, if I don't put it in the dryer, they don't have sheets. You know, like I don't, it's exhausting trying to be the whole family brain. And you don't even think about yourself by the time you've thought of everybody else. And then it's, it's hard. It's a hard thing to master, to be able to find a way to put yourself into the cycle as well as everyone else. Yeah. Recognizing that you're a separate self and actually, you know, it's, I mean, it's pretty cliche to say that you're going to have more energy for your kids, but I think there's also like this idea that our culture is very child centric and we, as you know, the adults always need to do absolutely everything for them. And it's true. We do but they're also separate human beings and we are separate human beings and we're all growing. And I don't know about you, but I've learned a lot from my kids and I did not sign up for that, but I have learned a lot about myself and a lot about what I need to do to grow up in myself. And my growing up has coincided with their growing up and, and we're all going to be growing up forever. I guess that's the thing. This life is growth or something, but, and so we're learning and we're growing we're seeing our challenges in their eyes, but we're separate. And I think we have a responsibility for them. We take everything on. As homeschool parents, we take everything plus everything on. And we just, we decide we're going to sign up for homeschooling. So then we just literally signed up for their education, you know, like everything. And when we do that, we can easily codependent or we can easily, yeah, like you said, be the mental space or the brain for a lot of other people and that is exhausting so then we've got yeah, go one of the things I was I was thinking about that I was thinking um one thing that I talk about sometimes with people is this myth of balance about being able to juggle all the pieces and one of the parts is wearing hats I was talking about the hats that people wear and I was thinking about it as we always seem to have a hat on where the mom hat or the teacher hat or the housekeeper hat or the the wife or the, there's always a hat right when we have to make a conscious effort to take all the hats off and just be us and mm-hmm. I, I do think that's something we fail at I know I do a lot I, and you can now that I'm more aware of how I feel and what's wearing me down and things I kind of notice when I need to um I can see in myself the the symptoms or you know signs that I need to step out for a few minutes or I need to take a break for myself or kids leave me alone because I'm going to turn into Hulk mom. So please just back off for a few minutes. Like, which one do you like better? Do you like the nice mom or the mean mom? Cause I'm about to be the mean mom. So leave me alone. <laughs> That's a conversation we have every night after sitting for a while, waiting for kids to go to sleep, you know? <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. That, that one's a challenge, especially <laughs> if your children are the ages they are, you've been doing that for a very long time. Way too long. 
Exactly. I know I'll miss uh, it. I'll miss it, right? I'll miss it. We were talking the other day because my oldest used to stay, get ready for bed and then he'd stand at the top of the stairs and go, I'm ready, mom. And literally it was me walking up the stairs and patting him on the head and say goodnight and then walk back downstairs. But it's funny now that it doesn't happen. It used to drive me crazy. I'm like, why? This is frustrating me. But now it's like, <laughs> I miss that. Just even that acknowledgement that I exist at some point in the day. <laughs> it just whatever. Yeah. I try to hold on to that now. My youngest gets to be youngest forever, which of course my oldest is like, Oh brother, but (laughs) literally (laughs) he is the brother, but yeah, Yeah. I hear you. Except that we need our boundaries or we need our separateness. But you know, when you're talking, you remind me that when you're talking about um, being the brain for everybody and you're being the energy, you're organizing everything, then uh, you think as the mom that you're doing all these wonderful things for kids and of course you realize after a number of years that they don't care <laughs> usually yeah. they're like uh what's the next thing then or you know it's it's kind of just instinct for them to assume that you're going to provide everything but then we get resentful that when they're asking us things so yet another reason to put boundaries into place or to like really separate my sense of person from the person because that sense of um I'm doing this thing for you, child, so you should be grateful to me. I understand that. And yet, yeah, it turns out it doesn't doesn't work functionally. Or as a relationship, it doesn't. And it certainly isn't making us feel like, wow, we're such amazing mothers because at the end of the day, we're frustrated anyways. By the way, I can relate to. <laughs> this is not theory for me either. <laughs> Learning to be in balance, though, like that, just like you said, that word, balance, whatever that means. Or else trying to teeter totter. I, I say it's a myth because mm-hmm. it should be priority, not balance. We have to put a heavier weight on the thing that's the most important in the moment at the time, not how many things can I equal out in my life. That's, so I always advocate for priority over balance. So I see that you do a lot. Um, you're um, engaging a lot of homeschoolers online, especially in the Canadian homeschool realm. That's that's actually your blog and your Facebook presence. And specifically, what is the name? So I don't miss. The Canadian Homeschooler. There, there you go. And I see you online with that all the time. So how do you balance the work and the kids? Well, I don't very well. <laughs> so I, I admit it. I either really am, if I'm really focused on the kids, then work tends to get very like I, my, my list grows and then I start feeling stressed about my list being too much. And then I focus on work and I kind of not ignore, but more just let the kids be independent more than I would normally, you know? And so I, it's not something that I've ever been able to figure a perfect, you know, balance to, but as I said, it's about priority. So if I, right now, my priority has shifted more to the work side because more people need help and more people are looking for support and encouragement. My kids are fine watching television for a couple of hours or running out in and outside or playing video games for a bit. Or we do some school still in the morning because we're not really caught up on last year still, but that's fine. We're slow, relaxed, chill out homeschoolers, so I'm not really all that worried. But So we do like short-term school and then I focus a lot during the day. So some of our extra things that I would normally do like you know go spend time outside or take them for a walk or whatever gets taken up by work but on an average school year when it's not chaos and madness of the homeschool community I do try to make sure that when it's school time it's school time my phone is not near me my computer is 
on the not I'm not having my email or my website open. Everything is shrunk down, so I'm not tempted to walk by and just take a peek at social media and see what's going on whenever I walk by. So I try to intentionally say this is kid-centric time. It is not work. It's not work time now. I have to make sure I make a very abrupt break so I can mentally be in the space where I need to be when I'm supposed to be here. Yeah. Yeah, I've always found that if you can just do something for 15 minutes, like you set aside the time of just 15 minutes and your eyeballs are on that, you know, either on that child or whatever that activity is, and you're fully there, you can get a lot of work done if you're focused. And um, it makes any child really feel like you're connected to them if you really are listening to what they're saying. I'm totally guilty of having moments of, yep, 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 I hear you. And then the child knows, nope, 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 you didn't hear anything I just said. Yeah. I, I can do that. And I remember um, being really challenged by Facebook as well. But before I got into um, the business of writing and um, seminar speaking and engaging other homeschoolers, I was like years ago, maybe even a dozen years ago, getting into Facebook and it was kind of preoccupying. It was with me all the time. And my only way to deal with that is by leaving it in another room. So that, of course, is also why I'm kind of tight on the screen time for my kids, which if they become coders as they grow up, it really will be a miracle. (laughs) (laughs) Mine are downstairs creating a game right now. So there you go. Really? Is that right? Oh, that's so cool. (laughs) That's funny. Um, Yeah, you were talking about identities before and how you can put one hat on and then take another hat off and then you're... um, it probably feels disjointed, I'm guessing, based on my experience. Um, I find that the more that I am congruent, it's a word for me that means I am the same person and I'm not trying to be something more for each person or different identities for different people than the less I expect of myself. Just, yeah, but it's it's kind of a learning, growing thing. And also like... You know, I think there's periods in our lives where we just focus on different things and yeah. different, different things just matter differently. I think my firstborn and my lastborn have been parented very differently. Yeah, well, we all grow, right? So it's about learning. And, I, and the children in the middle teach us different things that when you get to the one at the end, the first one always gets the... I'm going to be the best parent ever. The last kid gets the, here's all the lessons I've learned along the way. You've got to take it all now because we've learned it better. I've told my oldest, who's 19, that she's the experimental child. And she was in the wrong age when I first told her that because she received that as I was experimenting on her. (laughs) No, I was doing everything right, actually, until I realized I wasn't doing everything right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So what are the common myths that you think um, homeschool moms, both the new ones that are into, you know, just coming into homeschooling and the ones that have been around for a long time, what are the common myths around self-care? That they don't have time for any. Because I think we, I know particularly new homeschoolers, if they've had kids in the school system, have this idea that education needs to look a certain way and feel a certain way and be a certain way. And they haven't learned how to relax into the natural rhythm of a day and, and trust themselves and trust their children. So they, they have this stress level 
that they need to be actively involved in their child's education every minute of the day. I've been seeing a lot lately about people who are like, I don't know what to do because I'm never going to get any work done. I'm never going to get anything X, Y, Z done because I'm going to be doing school all the time. And I was thinking, we just haven't given you the space to trust yourself yet. You need to trust yourself. So they'll be able to get there at the time. The other thing is, I think a lot in our society in general, we've gotten conditioned ourselves to think that we have to schedule our child's life every minute of the day. I don't know. I've seen it a lot. And so that's why people are panicky because they don't know how to fill in the time. But I think as homeschoolers, as veteran homeschoolers, we've kind of got to the point where we let our children be. We give them the space to explore and develop and be independent from us. I know that my kids, I don't have to fill their day with stuff. Yeah, they'll come to me and say they're bored. But as soon as I say, well, I'm sure I've got some chores to do, or you can do some more math if you want, they mysteriously vanish and find lots of fun things to do on their own. And they're fine and happy and squealing in the basement, playing with cardboard boxes or whatever. But the, the realism is if you're new, you just need to make sure you set aside time or find something that's for you even if it's something for you that you do with your kids like if it's art or whatever works for you if you need to include your kids like do it it doesn't have to be like I need to go away for a weekend for self-care self-care is just doing something for you instead of doing something intentionally for somebody else right so yeah I think that's a there's good so idea. many things that you just said that I'm like yes 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 <laughs> When you're talking about trust, I have somebody once said something about the more they become comfortable with themselves, the more and, and doing their own thing, finding their own identity outside of this homeschool mom identity, then they also want to um, allow their kids to do their own thing. And so they're more comfortable with that unschooled approach or more of a child directed education. And then they're not trying to fill every moment of the day. No. Yeah. If you trust that your kids will I mean, I'm, I'm a minimalist from school. I could kind of call it that. So we have our core subjects and that's like all I just do like, here's what we're learning. Here's what we're doing. We're done. And then like 80% of our day is free because we don't do a lot of stress about stuff. I hope my phone doesn't die. Um, but <laughs> I will say that we have a lot of free time. I'm not a great facilitator all the time because I do have my business, but it does leave my kids to figure out what they like on their own. And it's amazing, honestly. You know, I could teach till the cows come home, but would they remember anything that I taught? Probably not. But if I let them be free 80% of their day and they're watching way too many YouTube videos, I bet you're going to come back and they're going to regurgitate every single thing they learned in this crazy stupid science video with a guy doing crazy experiments about science because they're engaged and they're interested and they chose to do it themselves. So I'm all about doing it the right way and letting them be free at the same time. So. Yeah. And so wild because you're actually, I mean, you're showing them by what you're doing that you're fully engaged in what you're doing. And so then they are, as people are learning on, like, I think there's more caught the taught in that. So they, they learn, Hey, mom really cares about what she's doing and she's engrossed in it. And then I, I totally understand what you mean about, um, I come from an unschooled mindset. I say unschooled, I read way too much John Taylor Gatto and John Holt and Julie Bogart. Mm -hmm. And they really had a big impression on me in a certain phase of my homeschooling. And that has really, challenged the way I homeschool though I'm still de-schooling after this many years but I think you know facilitating who those people really are those 
specific kids that are in your home, not 25 kids in a classroom anonymously, but the specific kids in your home that are growing up to do whatever it is they're meant to do. They're pursuing their interests and they're learning on their own time, in their own space, in their own way. And I think for new homeschoolers myself, if they could just understand what an education is anyway, that it isn't actually just about getting a diploma. It's not just about getting post-secondary school and then, you know, car garage and, you know, the trip to Hawaii once a year and then golfing when they're retired and then they die. I mean, that's maybe it's a goal. Maybe it's a reason to have an education, but what's an education for anyway? And if we could like get a little bit more meta about what the point is, then maybe people could just take a couple breaths and go, I'm going to be okay. I can still I'm laughing, I'm laughing at that because I had this conversation with my oldest one because I was trying, you know, you hit high school and suddenly the pressure's on and you yeah. suddenly feel like you need to do it all proper again. It's taken a long time for me to break out of that, but we sat down and like, we're going to do English and we're sitting there doing English. She goes, why? What's the point? And I'm like, <laughs> because they told me you have to. I don't know. <laughs> and I'm like, that's a really good question. I don't have a reason for you. I don't know. So if it's not, let's just let it go for now and it's been much freeing because instead of fighting about doing the school every day he choosing things that engage him more instead of trying for me to do the thing that I think I'm supposed to do you know and I could like it could have a place you know we're both writers so you know learning to communicate I definitely have even seen, I'm rewriting blog posts for the last number of months and I see how unclear I am and that I'm surely not going to make sense of what I'm saying. And so now I'm getting so much more detailed. So there's like a place for it. But if you had, honestly, my high school teacher was like, I can tell when someone reads and I can tell when someone watches TV, you should pick up a book. So that was me in high school. And it didn't have a place for me at that time. I genuinely did not care maybe somebody could have been more inspiring, I suppose, but I had certain life circumstances. I was focused in a certain way and it wasn't English class or Shakespeare. I thought it was very, very boring. We, all, we all learn when we need to, right? We learn if we need to. Like I just yeah. learned how to format a book from scratch. I've never done that before. I learned InDesign. I've never even opened it up before, even though I've owned it for 10 years. You know, I, you know, think it, when we need to, we can learn it. And it's the same with my kids. So we're going to trust there's the trust thing really trusting that we've made the right decision and trusting that the kids will know what they need to know or can learn what they need to know when they want to know yeah and there's so much freedom in that for us as moms it's a little intimidating sometimes but yes there's like that balance between freedom and terror <laughs> i don't want to be i don't want to be the reason my child fails in life but i also don't want to be the reason that they struggle like they they that doesn't make sense, but it does at the same. I don't want to be the reason they struggle through high school because I'm forcing my ideas of what needs. So tell me, what have your kids taught you along the way about you taking care of yourself? Hmm. Have you ever noticed that when kids aren't feeling well, they just go off and find a space to curl up and sleep? Or uh-huh. they curl up on the couch and just lie there and spend time doing relaxing or re- refreshing themselves? I find that seeing that has reminded me that if I'm tired or I need, I'm allowed to take a break. Because I feel like a lot of time we feel like we're not allowed to do anything because we have too many people that we're responsible for. But if my kids can take a break and their lives are busy because they're little kids who want to keep going, they can find time to crash when they need to crash. So can I. 
Yeah, that's a good point. I got to say, I don't take hints like that. And I'm an Enneagram type three. So I go, 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 go. I'm guessing you might be too. <laughs> Probably. Yes. I pretty much go all the time, right? So, until I crash and burn and then I recover after that. <laughs> right. So what have your um, unexpected challenges been along the way in homeschooling? <sighs> well, I guess uh, my biggest challenge has been that I have one, my oldest struggles with anxiety. So that has changed a lot of our issues and it's led me to really question myself and how I'm doing and if we're making right choices. That's, I've already talked a little bit about that. But I also, the next two struggle with complete opposite versions of attention deficit disorder. So I've got one that's on the hyperactive, crazy wild, the literal bouncing off the wild child. And I have one that we call Captain Oblivious because he never knows what's going on. <laughs> so when we started homeschooling and you know in the early years you want it to be like this lovey groupy so we did a lot of group activities and as we got to older a lot of our struggles with special needs really exasperated all of my efforts and I remember lying I was talking about this somewhere this week about lying on my living room floor in tears after spending the morning screaming at my kids to just listen to me as one is running up and down the stairs looking for snacks and pencils and fighting with the other one and one is there going I don't know what 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 and then the other one's just mad because he's been waiting this whole time to do something and I've got a toddler and a baby and everything's just chaos and I just remember lying on the floor sobbing my eyes out with my husband looking over because at that time we lived in a house where the office overlooked the living room and he just stood there shaking his head he's like why are you homeschooling this isn't working and I had no idea what I was going to do other than send my kids back to school because I was or to school we'd never been to school and I was like I feel like a failure I'm such a fraud I'm teaching people how to homeschool but I'm on the floor in my own house crying because it's not working and for me that was a major major struggle that I had to deal with we it took a lot of time for me to rip apart our homeschool and you talked about de-schooling earlier and it's amazing how even after you've been doing this for a while, the the pressures or the expectations we have about education still weigh on us. And so I had to tear it all apart and get rid of all the extras. And just like, that's when I decided that's it. We're just going to be minimalist homeschoolers because it's more important to me that my relationships with my children at the end of this are intact than for me to be spending my day screaming my head off at my kids and they hate me at the end. So this isn't working. We've got to change it completely. And that was a major mindset shift. And for me, that was probably our biggest struggle was that that one or two years where I thought I was just going to have to give up because I couldn't do it anymore. Thank you for that. I guarantee you there are a lot of people that hear that and go, oh, great. Someone actually that's been doing this for as long as you've been doing. And you're also in that, you know, homeschool coaching presence you have had that experience and you're, you're acknowledging that that's true because you're human, you know, you're a human having human feelings and having to deal with the stuff that's human right in front of your kids with your kids. And yeah, those actually, but those moments are really formative, aren't they? Like they really force us into a different direction, a more real or clear direction in homeschooling. Yeah. It totally shifted everything. We went from how I was trying to make school be, to a much more trust, that said, trust. Trust seems to be the theme today, but it's more about trusting that they're going to learn what they need when they need. I can just guide them through the, the 
the main stuff. I don't have, we do a very low pressure approach where I, I had to get rid of all things that were causing a stress. We got rid of transitions between subjects because switching from math to language to spelling to French to blah, 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 blah. Every single transition was a new battle and a new fight and a new this and a new that. So we got rid of them all. I just got rid of them. We're not going to do it anymore. My life is now run on a fluid rhythm instead of on a, so I don't have a schedule. It drives my husband crazy because I am not a schedule person, but I'm also the person that likes to be at places at a specific time. So, <laughs> but you know, whatever. But I, I discovered that for us, what worked best was a, a rhythm. So it's get up. I say, this is my and then routine. So it's get up and then have breakfast and then do school and then do chores and then have lunch, and then you can do free time. So it's like a lot of and thens, and then we just do whatever needs to happen within those gaps of spaces. Yeah, that's a really great way of actually expressing that, that it's so straightforward for people. You're yeah. talking about um, gaining freedom when you're essentially letting go of the idea of failure, that you're not doing things good enough, would you say? Yeah. Well, I know that a lot of parents have seen a lot. How do I know if I'm doing enough? How do and what if we fall behind? What if? And I'm like, this is a hard one because this is a huge mindset with what we think education needs to look like, right? Mm -hmm. There's we've especially those of us who've been in the system, we already have experienced it. So we understand the pressure of what should be done at grade four, grade six, grade eight. Why? Who decided that my kid needs to know Shakespeare in high school? My kids aren't ever going to do Shakespeare. I was totally an English geek and I hated Shakespeare. I never read a single book in high school. I'll tell you right now, all of the required readings, I never read them. I was the master of the skim read, find a quote. That's how I got through high school with English with great marks, because I, but I never read anything. But I'm like, how do I transfer that skill to my children? I don't know if I can. But as soon as we decide that we don't need to be conformed to that, yes, that idea of freedom is so so great it's so helpful to be able to make sure that we're just giving our kids a chance to learn instead of teaching them it's a different thought between what should be taught and what they will learn so that translates into our experience of you know the responsibility towards our kids too and we're not mm -hmm. feeling like are we doing enough or are we failing them or have they got gaps in their education which in just everybody knows everybody has gaps in their education because we're not God and we're not Google. So, <laughs> and they've got Google now, which we didn't have when they're kids. So, and they've got YouTube. So if they're stuck, they find, what do we do when we need to find something out? We Google, we YouTube, we learn. And that's exactly what my children are doing too. So if they, and outside of the school stuff, if they need to learn something, what do my kids do? They look it up. They find somebody doing it on YouTube. They go ahead and learn it. And it's amazing. It's amazing that kids will, just like grown-ups, figure things out when they need to figure things out. But, I mean, I do want to include that foundational base. That's why I kind of force us. That my, I said with my oldest, I require you to do math. I require you to do some grammar. And then you tell me something that you're interested in, and I will help you find the whatever it is that you can choose from from there. So this year he's studying uh, IT tech on some website called lynda.com I think they've got a whole like certification program that you can take but he's not doing the certification he's just watching the videos so I figure he's curious he's interested and he's actually willing to do it I'll go with it <laughs> that's awesome so he's finding his thing 
Yeah, well, he says it's not his thing. He just wants to know how computers work. But hey, if it's not his thing, I don't care as long as you're learning something. <laughs> yeah, and, but actually, I've, I always see them temporarily into a thing and then they move on to the next thing and they're kind of moving, you know, but that's life. And I actually think that you can like circumvent the whole um, mid middle age crisis thing if we actually figure out what our intention or our reason for being here or a sense of, you know, purpose is earlier. Or at least if we start pursuing that when we're young and we have parents that say, hey, what do you care about? Then we're going to be more focused and hopefully eventually monetize so we can, you know, pay for our own stuff and support yeah. our own families. But um, when you were talking about, though, um, I'm going to back up and just ask you about when you're talking about that feeling of failure or not good enough. I know for myself that that feeling, you can feel like that a lot on repeat. I think there's, uh, as a homeschool parent, because you're with them all the time, so then you're seeing all of their um, challenges, we'll call them, uh, on repeat, but then you're also reacting to them, not always the way that you want to be reacting to them, or, you know, any numbers of things that make you feel like you're not, that you're failing, and when you have that, you're having it you know, continuously, because you're not taking this six hour break from them in a day and then waiting in the, you know, at the queue to pick your child up and look at them and go, Oh, so nice to see you again. There's more like, um, you can get bogged down in those feelings, those uncomfortable, negative feelings of failure or failing your child or feeling not good enough. So how do you manage that? Or how do you, how do you flip the script of that or change the way you think about those moments of failure it's a great question it's hard because it's easy to see the negative that's true but we are totally immersed with our family all the time right we don't get the constant daily breaks that our peer our public school peers have and I mean I'm thankful for it because that's why I've signed up for homeschool in the first place but it is hard especially when they're going through puberty and they're fighting with each other nonstop and or they're you know a preschooler with an attitude or whatever um I've I admit that I'm not always the best with this especially when I am tired of being told that I don't know anything by a teenager who's you know barely old enough to spread butter on their own toast <laughs> <laughs> but it, I keep trying to it's one thing that's been going on in our house a lot is they hate each other days you know that they they have nothing nice to say about each other and so we keep reminding if you don't have something nice to say don't say anything just keep your mouth closed don't talk and I've been trying really hard on myself to remember to do that too because it's really easy for me to get so frustrated and so frazzled by the behavior of my children that it, I could spew such terrible things that are rolling around in my head and if I don't have anything nice to say don't say anything so don't call my kids names when they're driving me crazy don't don't say something that's going to tear them down to pieces but as for my own mindset I have to do what I've been trying to do with my kids and this is what I've been mentally I actually have been mentally trying to be aware of it is what one nice thing can I say about you today or I when I have one child that can't is only mean all the time it's you need to tell me one nice thing or one good thing about that person because I don't care what it is. It could be that they showered today or something. It could be anything, but I want you to put a positive something on that person. So I know for myself, I've been trying to be very 
intentional in my head. Maybe not as good about it out loud, but when I've had a rough day and I feel like, oh man, my kids are terrible. What have I done? I should have, whatever. I need to put one positive thought in my head about that child or that experience or that interaction. And I apologize to my kids too. So if I screw up and let's face it, I screw up a lot because I'm human. And I, if I lose my cool and I scream and yell and I blow up my vocal cords because you know that has happened on occasion <laughs> I'd make sure that I apologize because I said I'm sorry I was having a rough time and you just kept pushing my buttons and I'm I blew up and I shouldn't have but please forgive me for that but can you hear what I was saying no don't have time <laughs> do you understand what I meant <laughs> yeah learning to like real recognize that our uncomfortable feelings I call them because I don't want to say negative because we're human and we're human with all the feelings. There's no such thing as going through life without anger or, you know, failure or whatever. It doesn't happen. And when we have these uncomfortable feelings, because they aren't comfortable, then figuring out that they are actually as passing as clouds in the sky. You know, the clouds just keep going eventually, even if it's a stormy day, they will eventually pass. And when we remember that those feelings are separate from our our person, I guess, or, or our ourself, then we don't always have to react to them or we don't have to act on them. We can choose a different way of engaging. Having said that, I am speaking from experience that I have been completely immersed in the clouds and not recognizing that those are just feelings. They're not, they don't have to be dictating how I'm acting. So yeah, we're like talking about that growing up thing as our kids are growing up. So, you know, I'm going to back up a little bit too. You're talking about boredom and when kids come to you in their boredom, not feeling sometimes, or originally you were feeling like you always had to provide them something to do, or at least you hear in the culture that you always have to provide them something to do. But boredom has its bounty. You see that in your kids. Your oldest right now is 16, you said? Yeah. Yeah, 16. And is doing an IT course that he initiated on its own. That's pretty cool. Well, they find what they want, right? So, I mean, my my t- just about 13-year-old, I he decided he wanted to learn how to code. So he's been working on developing his own 3D video game this year. I gave him a challenge because it's great to just be curious about it. But if you want to actually do something with it, because he talks about how he wants to be a game designer, I'm like, let's try it at 13 and see if you actually do anything with it. <laughs> Make me a game by this time of next year. So he's determined that he's going to do it in a month. I'm not so sure that'll be as successful as a year, but he's been totally doing Unity, which is a coding program for 3D video games. So said, and that wasn't something I initiated. I didn't say this year you're going to learn computer programming. It was this is on his own time, his own thing. And my other, my 14 year old is curious about animation. He discovered that there's a Minecraft animation program, so he's been trying to make a movie based on it. So. I don't know let them explore their curiosities right because you never know what might happen out of that who knows just could be fun and, or it could be a lifetime interest right you never know yeah, boredom's bounty there's no such thing mm-hmm. boredom being. as long as long as it's used positively we've had oh, enough yeah. negative experiences i've had a nice you know those huge bags of flour <laughs> yeah at the grocery i had a kitchen that looked like snow oh no okay all right so yeah Good point. <laughs> okay. Boredom with supervision is great. <laughs> yeah, totally. I actually had a child that did that too, but mine was two. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mine were, mine were little at that time too. Yeah. That was about 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. This kiddo, she locked me out at one and a half of the house oh. and I watched her, <laughs> I watched her from the, um, the window getting into the pantry and pulling out the flower, playing with the flower and then the big bag of marshmallows. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh they know what they want, don't they? <laughs> What advice would you give someone who's just starting out as a homeschooler? Because there are a lot of new homeschoolers. So the first one is maybe just take a deep breath. I always say breathe. And the, the one that I've been saying on over and over this year in particular is no fear. Because I find right now there is this whole pressure of fear. People don't know. They, they're scared of the virus. They're scared of starting school because they don't know what to do. They're scared of homeschooling because they don't know what to expect of it. There's just a lot of fear of the unknown and a lot of fear of what happens. They don't know what to do. So my advice is I say to people, be overwhelmed, be nervous, but don't be afraid. That would be my biggest. And then just take some time to breathe. You don't need to, just because a traditional school year starts in September doesn't mean that you have to start at the exact same day. I know that not everybody starts in September, but I just mean you can do it on, be flex, be, take the time you need to settle into the plan instead of forcing the plan to fit what you expect it needs to be. So tell me about the resources that you recently have released for those homeschoolers specifically. Oh, okay. Well, I, um, I just finished a book called How to Homeschool in Canada, a travel guide for your homeschooling journey. And it kind of walks through all the bits and pieces to do with the first steps of homeschooling and how to fit it into your life and that kind of thing. So it goes from before you get started. So the concept of de-schooling, like we talked about and picking homeschool methods, if there's one that might fit your family the best and how your child learns and then how to pick a curriculum, because that's something that people ask all the time. What do I do? Like, what's the best curriculum? And I'm like, I don't have an answer for you because you need to pick what works for you. I can tell you what works for me, but it's not necessarily going to be, and even the stuff that works for me might not work for me next week <laughs> or <Right>. next year. <laughs> yep. And then it goes through all the things of like that miss of balance that we talked about. So how to work in homeschool, how to housekeep in homeschool from my experiences and what we've done in our family and some ideas from friends who have um, other experiences. Cause I've never worked out of the home before, but I have friends who have as they've homeschooled. And so to be able to get their information and input with, to help others who might be needing to face that. And then I want to make sure that I don't have homeschool be this rosy glow because it's, yeah, it can be really pretty from the outside, but the truth is it's hard. It's not always easy. So I cover the tough stuff too, like how to handle when people are opposing you and what happens when you have a bad day and what if it's not working at all? Like what if this just doesn't work out? We talk, cover some of that as well. So, and I also do a very small chapter because I'm not an expert at self-care at the end. Just some ideas of how you can squeeze it in, even for five-minute breaks. If it's locking yourself in the bathroom and breathing for five minutes, so maybe not. You put your face against the window and then breathe for five minutes. It sounds like an amazing resource. I, I have said to so many people though, don't lock yourself in a bathroom because people and kids have like a GPS system on you if you go into the bathroom. Okay, but, go out the front door. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or get to work. How about that? Start cleaning yeah. the floor with an extra cloth yeah. beside you. Yeah, <laughs> it really does sound like an excellent resource and I'd highly recommend people checking it out. I'm certainly going to let people know when it comes out as well. Thank you. Where can people find you online? Well, they mostly can find me at my website, thecanadianhomeschooler.com. 
I also am active on my Facebook page. And if you just look for the Canadian Homeschooler, you'll be able to find me there. And I'm also starting a homeschool community called the Canadian Homeschool Community, which is where people can come. And I've got a bunch of fun, cool things going to happen there, like field trips, like virtual field trips and mentors. And we've also got some plans. I've got together a homeschool 101 course and a bunch of support and encouragement along the way. So Sounds excellent. That's, at, that's at Canadian homeschool community.com. It's new. I'm just finishing it up. So I had to make sure I said it right. <laughs> So before we wrap, I just want to ask you three fun questions. What is, okay. what's an identity you have that's entirely outside your homeschool mom identity? Well, I guess that's my, uh, my fan fiction writing. I, I write for, <laughs> okay, so I'll talk about it. I watched this TV show called Miraculous Ladybug, which is a little kid's cartoon about two little superhero teenagers who have this really weird love square where they like love each other's identity that they don't know who the other one is. So it makes a lot of really fun. And I'm not the only grown up. I just want to say that. Okay. <laughs> There's a whole culture and community of people who write about stories for it. So that's been really fun for me to have something completely, completely different that I don't have have anything to do with homeschooling or parenting or anything it's just for fun writing <laughs> what are you doing on Friday night or what do you normally do on a Friday night uh, it's a typical night in my house so it's hope the kids go to bed finally and then I watch tv with husband for until we both pass out on the couch <laughs> yeah yeah you're a Netflix binger too over the last number yeah. of months yeah <laughs> Yeah, I Netflix binge for 15 minutes until I fall asleep too. Yes. <laughs> it doesn't. I get... always have to. I always have to ask husband what happened because I fall asleep. <laughs> I always fall asleep in the middle of action. I don't know what it is. I can be awake for all the talking, but as soon as like fighting or anything starts, I'm out cold. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say that your favorite fun self care strategy is? Healthcare strategy. Oh dear. Healthcare. Yeah. So I'm not good at healthcare. Um. I guess we just started doing Pokemon Go for fun and geocaching is fun too when we actually remember to put it together. So just doing, getting out and trying to make myself move. I'm terrible at that because I work on, I joke, I sit it, I sit to work, I sit to teach, I sit to relax, you know, I sit all day. So I'm trying to consciously be remembering to get moving and start walking. So those are two of the fun ways that we've been trying to incorporate walking into our days. Yeah, well, I love walking. Actually, we have a dog that requires us to walk, but I've learned that having a teenager in the house is really, um, or sorry, having a dog at, in the house is really useful when you have teenagers, because mm -hmm. at least somebody likes you. Yeah. <laughs> I can't, I have cats and they don't like me unless yeah, it's no. time. Yeah. Wrong animal. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining me today, Lisa Marie. I really appreciate chatting with you. And I wish for you in this very busy season that your challenges can be turned into your charms. Thank you very much. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you for joining me today. I would love to hear more about who you are. So come on over to my Facebook or Instagram page, Capturing the Charmed Life. My goal is to equip you with strategies to help you turn your challenges into your charms. If you want to learn more about my course, How to Homeschool 101, or my upcoming book, Homeschool Mama Self-Care, Thrive, Not Just Survive, head over to www.capturingthecharmedlife.com. You'll also find the show notes and links 
to everything you've heard in this episode. I hope you and your kids have a charmed week. And until next time, I hope you can turn your challenges into your charms.